hello, and welcome to the Forward Unto Dawn podcast, uh, the show all about the fiction of Halo. I'm David, and I'm joined by usual co-host Danny. Idly, hardly. And this week, we've got special guest, Hiraspis. Hardly, hardly. <laughs> Stealing your bit, Danny. Um, yeah. Hiraspis yeah. has been on a couple episodes in the past. Uh, Can't get rid of me. Yeah. He just keeps on coming back like a bad penny. You're just a friendly, friendly yo-yo. <laughs> um, but we've invited him back uh, to talk about uh, a little bit about one of the books we missed earlier this year, as well as a new release. Um, and that's Troy Denning's Silent Storm and Oblivion, uh, some of the latest Halo novels. Can I, get, can I get this out of the way? Silent Storm sounds like a really immature way to describe a fart like so you expect like a little <laughs> school kids i a silent storm right there you know <laughs> well i'm never going to read that book the same way again and what follows that silent storm <laughs> oblivion <laughs> oh god oh. I, I apologize for taking it into that direction so soon we're, we're starting off on the low note it's only going to go <sighs> up from here i promise anyhow um so yeah I guess we'll start off. So these are, <laughs> I guess this is these are books one and two of a most likely trilogy. I don't think the third book has been confirmed, but I feel like it is likely. It feels that way, sort of like a standalone slow burner. Yeah, I can feel it. Spoiler: alert, If it's not three books, I'll be immensely disappointed because there's a lot that gets left out at the end of the second <laughs> one. Um, but. These are all these were all subtitled. Uh, I guess that's the first thing to talk about. These were all subtitled. Uh, a Master Chief story. A Master Chief story. As part of the, I don't know what, 2018, we're going to pivot back to Master Chief uh, movement. Are they are they are they still trying to pivot back from the Halo Five marketing? Now? I guess a little, because around the around the time we got Oblivion. <laughs> Spell it out on the cover. Master Chief. He looks here. different, Come and read. we're going to make okay. fans upset for okay. very little reason. But uh, <laughs> that's Halo for you. Yeah, and we're going to have have Grim write this big long thing about how it totally makes sense. And yeah, we're, there's five million more permutations of Mark IV than you saw last time. <laughs> Poor Jeff, just weeping in the office. <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, this was announced. I think alongside, or roughly at the same time as uh, Collateral Damage, which was another... If Master Chief is in this comic series, uh, and coincidentally also took place uh, early in the Covenant War. So after mm. after a fair amount of, of fiction with Halo Wars 2 and Halo Fractures and stuff like that going past Halo 5, um, Silent Storm, Oblivion, this more recent crop has been dipping back into the human covenant war kind of a back to basics sort of approach yeah and i definitely think in some ways you could say these books are very much a back to basics approach the series it's early in the covenant war and that factors in a whole lot um the bad guys are still the bad guys (laughs) that's our thing yeah that neither side knows really anything about each other yeah and i think that's actually so a lot of people have i think put denning into the 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 next nylon territory in that he definitely his writing style sort of hits that the same blend of military sci-fi that nylon does yeah it's similar but it's like there there are some massive differences that kind of like rubs me up against that idea that he's sort of the next Nylon, because I think his sort of writing style is very different to Nylon's. Yeah, and I don't think, and I think that's that's something that uh, came up for me uh, when, because uh, we just published a retrospective on the Fall of Reach's 18th anniversary, is that I feel like Nylon's chief is at this point sort of the odd man out with everything else that we've seen of the characterization of Master Chief. And I think Denning's Denning's portrayal of the character sort of eases the transition for me between what you see of Chief in The Fall of Reach and then that book skips 
most of the Covenant War to drop you in 2552, whereas this mm. uh, takes place more or less, I think it's only a few weeks after Chai Seti, um, where the early part of the Fall of Reach ends with the death of Sam and everyone getting their Mjolnir armor. Um, the Spartans going out against the Covenant. So I, I appreciate that. I also find that uh, Nyland's a much more sort of thematically driven writer, is that he writes very much around a particular theme, which in his trilogy is um, the idea of lives spent versus lives wasted. Whereas with Denning's work, I would struggle to kind of pin things down to a particular theme. Yeah, I, I think you can definitely say there are more motifs, but it's it's very much a plot-driven story. Mm. Um, we'll get into that, starting with, I guess, starting with Silent Storm. So this is shortly after uh, Tri-Seti, as you mentioned. Uh, it's Master Chief and everybody. Basically, the plot is they start out trying to capture a Covenant ship. They fail, and then it leads to this big... Uh, production for Operation Silent Storm, where basically they're going to go disrupt enemy lines and try and buy coal uh, time to regroup and for humanity to basically survive. And we get a bunch of characters we'd seen previously, uh, including uh, Preston Cole, who I don't think we'd ever seen besides Nyland's short story and Halo Genesis. Has he actually... He's been referred to, but I don't know if he's actually ever been a character. Yeah, not that I recall. Yeah, so he's that's one of the things that makes this feel like, hey, this is an early early book, uh, because he shows up. Uh, we get more of Halsey. Of course. Uh, we get some new military characters. We get Avery Johnson uh, in... Who's he? I mean, a straightforward retcon, because <laughs> Chief never <laughs> acts like he met the guy before. Um, but, and that leads to the whole question, like, could this not have been another character? Uh, but for the people who like Johnson, he's there. Um, and I think he plays a decent role in providing something of, basically, I think Silent Storm, if in so much as there is a theme, it's really about like role models for chief mm. um because this is a very different chief than what we get he's like it starts out with him basically talking about how he's he's haunted by sam's death he know it wasn't really his fault like he had to do what he had to but he's taking those lessons to heart um like everyone's going on an eva mission and hey this time they've all got thruster packs they've got like patches in case they take damage so they can all escape exfiltrate learning the lessons from that um and over the course of the book, uh, the UNSC gets betrayed by an insurrectionist spy in the ranks, and it's also there where Chief, which is some I appreciate it because one of the things that doesn't get underlined as much, I think it's a little, that was something that was more Nyland's work and is less than the others, is that Chief is a child soldier who was raised with no one else but Spartans, basically. So yeah. in social situations, he's kind of like, he's not big on social cues. And in Silent Storm, he basically almost gets one pulled over on him because the insurrectionist mm. guy seems chummy. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was a nice detail. It's And one thing I think both these books are really good at is bucking the trend of, I think especially with Nyland's work, it was really influential and we got a whole genre for the first, I guess, chunk of Halo media. It was kind of like, all right, we're going to have humans. They're on their back foot. There's going to be a foreman of MacGuffin. They're going to beat the covenant in like a victory, isolated victory that doesn't, necessarily change the status quo of the war because we got to dance around the games and we've had one or two too many of those kinds of stories yeah and years. so it's great that silent storm lets the humans just straight up lose at times mm. um and come away with victories that feel a lot more skin of teeth and unearned or earned um 
and they also while having those forerunner elements very much on the periphery they're not part of the main plot and i think Mm -hmm. that's a very welcome change yeah they actually if you kind of miss it at one point uh when they go to run this operation silent storm and they're they're boarding they land on this planet to board gravelifs up to this up to the uh foreigner uh, covenant ships they're going to destroy they are in on a forerunner planet and they kind of obliquely mention it but it's it's something that they basically skip over that it's only a huge deal to the covenant because holy crap these guys landed on the holy planet and destroyed a whole bunch of it um it's not really uh something that plays a role there's no foreigner tech that (laughs) is important and the humans have to destroy because otherwise the covenant would get it and then oblivion goes into much more interesting areas with uh but we'll get to that, of course. Yeah. Um, so overall, I guess, this, what's what was your feelings about uh, Silent Storm? So uh, I might be a bit unpopular here because I was a bit oh. kind of on the edge with it. Mm. Uh, I didn't dislike it. I, I, I enjoyed it, but it's not kind of the flavor of Halo that really that I gravitate towards. I like my weirder kind of halo stories like my broken circles my halo cryptums and primordiums that sort of thing so the return to a sort of traditional military sci-fi was not something that is like that appeals to me as much anymore as it did back in nylon's days um but at the same time you know it was a very well-told story i was i was gripped throughout it right up to the end and uh and i still enjoyed it danny to be honest, I thought it was very, very plainly told. There was never a surprise, and that took out a lot of the the pacing for me. Really, it really affected my want to read through it because it was like I know how this is going to end. I know where <laughs> the stakes are going to be at the exact end. Where's the anything? Where's the where's the page turning feel? You know what I mean? Well, and that's that's definitely a problem with doing prequel novels at this point especially with the chief is that Mm. we know they can't really kill at this point they've pretty much run out of expendable spartans (laughs) Um, (laughs) so you can't even really even introduce you can't even introduce gary 229 and kill him (laughs) off and the master chief is obviously not expendable so it's tough i think for Denning or anyone else to to play around in that space because we know Johnson's going to survive, we know Chief's going to survive, we know Blue Team is all going to be fine. Uh, if, if only at 343 had gotten together and made, I don't know, a couple of games about expanding the amount of Spartans in the universe so that they could play more freely and not be restricted. Oh, if, only, if only someone had that sort of forethought. <laughs> if only there was another team of Spartans mm, out there. Yeah, you think? Yeah, maybe one but day. No, I do appreciate that this is also kind of a new, <laughs> uh, a, a good novel for new people to jump into, you know, because we're, we're so many novels along now. It's safe. If you want to throw a novel, a Halo novel at someone, it's a really safe bet. You can't really go wrong with it. It no. delivers the whole Halo experience in a good, satisfying story. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. hard to criticize it. It's not, it's not bad. It's really not bad at all. It's just not great. In some ways, it definitely is trying to sort of be the fall of Reach 2, in that the fall of Reach, as we talked about in our <laughs> retrospective, which we'll link, it suffers a little from being the first book that started an expanded universe. So there's like some weird stuff in it that does not fit with the Halo universe now, whereas this is the... Hey, we're going to introduce Chief, the Spartans, Covenant, UNSC, Insurrectionists, Oni being jerks, but it's in a <laughs> a much more modern uh, context. Well, here's a here's a question. And considering Silent Storm and Oblivion, right? Do you feel that they're under pressure now? They they drop in the references. They're suffering from the whole universe full of possibility, and all the same faces keep popping up again. And again. <laughs> I, I kind of get that now as a longer term fan reading through these books. It's like, here we go. Here's the checklist. Oh, there we go. Oh, another one. Oh, oh, double. You know what I mean? It's it's. One does wonder. It's, yeah. 
how many times they've got a long way to go before yeah. they hit Star Wars level of everyone is related to everyone else and stuff. So <laughs> that's the low yeah, bar but, I'm setting. But at this point, I just get that vibe. It's it's probably because it's set in the past. It's set with things and people we already know, teams we're very familiar with. You know what I mean? So I did get that sort of bound back from it, if you know what I mean, rather than meeting new characters all the time. It was more of... That's why I yeah. tend to prefer Denning's... Um stories with Vita Lopez and the ferrets because you've got mm-hmm. that wonderful mix there of new and old characters sort of playing mm. off each other. Yeah. Um, well, and also I think that one of the things that Denning does pretty well, but it's just always a situation, is when you have all a blue team, like giving them all time to shine is hard, whereas books where there's single Spartans, it's a lot easier. Um, is it, is did it, that really well. Yeah, Oblivion, it, I think, is probably the best example of giving everyone in blue team stuff to do in a while and we'll get into that but in general it's tough is it bad that um i actually don't want these books to exist (laughs) no 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 i mean that in a nice way right because no i mean that in a nice way right i mean that in a nice way because the stories they're trying to tell about master chief the master chief stories which we want you know we're halo fans we want more master chief hell yeah but the thing is now right we know that the TV show is going to cover the same sort of pre-game territory, you know what I mean? It's going to cover a lot of, and going to provide a lot of opportunities for telling stories about the Chief going on these missions. And I want to see that. I want to see that in the most visual way possible. And I think the, the TV show hopefully will, will tread on those sort of territories that these books kind of cover right now. You can have an up-the-stakes, amazing, like, proper season length. You can flesh out all these stories and characters. And not have to feel rushed, or maybe it hangs on a second book or a third book. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. So it's like I want these stories. I just think we now have an alternative medium for the first time in the franchise. We know there's a show coming with has all the all the nice money behind it and all the talent behind it. So why not want that shift to happen there as well? Yeah, I definitely get that perspective. Well. Live action in Halo has a somewhat spotty record, so I can see wanting it to be in the books versus live action. I guess we'll see. I will vehemently defend it. <sighs> you that you and defend Nightfall and Broken Circle. We'll have you back on another episode where we can just look at you and say, <laughs> How dare you, sir? And you can do your best and let the fans decide. Um I, I have hope honestly, I have hope for the T V uh, aspect of it because Modern TV is where it is. You yeah. can't slouch. You cannot slouch. Look, look what happened to Supergirl with that clip they put out. They promote their big get together show, and everyone just dunked on it because the effects look like <laughs> poo. You know what I mean? So if you if you don't bring the the visuals these days, yeah, especially the new show like Halo, Halo's like expectations on them, just a little bit of expectations, you know? Yeah. So people won't settle for a half-assed, even for on the dawn that show. I love that little. Uh, experiment they did, but that quality wouldn't even be good enough for network TV, you know what I mean? So they're going to up their game visually, they're going to up everything so I have confidence that money works, unfortunately I will see um, Alright, well I guess I am more positive on Silent Storm than you guys <laughs> which surprises me a variety of opinion. I am not negative on it okay, just for the record, I am not negative on it Now I, I, I do have to be the negative things because the one the great things about both these books um i think that we haven't gotten despite being prequels and stuff that we haven't gotten before um is that they really do focus on how alien the covenant and humans are to each other at this stage in the game um Mm. so i really appreciate that the the downside of that i think for me uh was that they have the chief name drones and elites like the first time he encounters them and that just bothered me uh sort of going to the small universe stuff um and then also there was this silent storm basically on one hand i had never really considered it but it is entirely true that despite being a super augmented super soldier the 15 year old chief probably still looks like a kid yeah and it seems like it would be hard to hide the fact that he's a child soldier at that stage. However, the fact that everyone finds out about it in this book bothered me a little. Which, it's just one of those quibbles. In fairness, a lot of them end up dead. 
this is true. Um, <laughs> and I guess in some ways, the ODSTs knowing about the chief uh, ties in with previously established facts in the Halo universe. So I can't complain too much. Um, speaking of the flood, uh, Silva goes into that whole thing. I really like how um, sort of the approach to these books, it goes back to the back of the box of Halo 1, where it says, you know, you are the master of any uh, weapon, the pilot of any vehicle. And you really get a sense that this is what really makes the Spartans special. Mm-hmm. And in, in mm-hmm. some ways, there's a lot of stuff here that we haven't gotten in terms of uh, like the chief's onboard computer in these books, like reacting mm-hmm. to his thoughts as uh, something we've never really dealt with. Um, in this way and i kind of at some point they use it for little comedic beats where chief's like wondering like can i do this and the computer's like nope uh (laughs) before he really has even chance to think about it uh so that was a nice touch too i guess we can dive into oblivion which uh takes place just another few weeks after the events of silent storm so humanities succeeded in dealing a serious blow to the Covenant, but the Covenant are huge, and they just come back um, and start smashing stuff up. And so it opens with, which, having just read this book like a week ago, I cannot believe that I forgot this entire opening section of the book, because the rest of this (laughs) book is so, especially for a Halo novel, takes place in such a confined amount of time and space that I entirely forgot there was this whole opening on another planet entirely. Um, yeah, about three chapters. Yeah, it's it's yeah, for a good yeah. long time on, uh, I forget what planet, um, Mesra or something? Something like that. Um, but it's, un- like we were talking about, it's another example of, hey, the UNSE just lose. There's not really any, mm-hmm. oh, well, we, we bought time for humanity kind of thing. They just lose. Uh, the Spartans are deployed to this planet which is being besieged by the covenant probably for the mining deposits so the unsc are are doing this delaying action trying to destroy all the mines deprive the covenant um and the chief is working with the local militia who are drugged out and sleep deprived and pretty suicidal um and so in the end they don't blow this bridge that they're supposed to the chief runs over to like try and blow it himself but he's too late and uh Oni pulls him out. Um, and this had a lot of uh, good stuff in it. Um, yeah. You have the, the Spartans just running around with Goss turrets, which I found fun and a nice throwback to like Halo 3. The Covenant have these bridging vehicles that are described that I don't think we've ever heard about before. Um, and you get a lot of uh, stuff with just chief and artillery barrages and like dealing with a covenant that we don't normally deal with uh in action scenes and books so i like this whole section um and it ends of course with oni being terrible people and uh using their fellow uh like engineers attempt to escape as their cover for escaping because they know they'll get shot down instead of the prowler and that ruthless calculus at play yeah which, you know, that's that's only for you. Biggest bastards in the business. Um, and so then after this section, which I think it's mostly the main impact, uh, I think, besides showing you that, yeah, humanity's still not doing so great, is um, it's really a, a personal thing for Chief in that he mm. kind of blames himself for the mission going bad because he tried to be accommodating and compromise with uh the militia members and that just ended up getting everyone killed um and so it's a nice little character bit for him uh so they're uh exfiltrated on the uh prowler night watch um under the commander of amanda petrov uh who's going to be a main character here and we pretty quickly get set up uh how things are going to go because on netherop the planet uh, from Silent Storm, uh, there's supposedly a downed Covenant ship, and everyone says this is totally a trap. But we can't not go after it because getting a huge treasure trove of Covenant technology is such a big freaking deal. And that's great. Like the stakes are about getting one ship. 
And I think that's that, that really differentiates it from a lot of other Halo stories right off the bat. Yeah, and yeah, I in both of these, despite being wrapped up in, well, this is the end of humanity if you don't do this, um, the stakes are, I would say, pretty low. Um, or I wouldn't say low, but um, small scale. The scale is quite yeah. small, yeah, yeah. And I think that is definitely a benefit for both of these books. Um, definitely. I think one of my main issues with reading some of the battles in Denning's books is that I, I have a real difficulty picturing the setting because a lot of the action is described in meticulous detail, what the characters are doing in it. But I just can't imagine some of the environments that come up. Uh, and that's probably been my main struggle with that. I struggle like to do that more than anyone struggles reading Primordial. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, can, I can see that. Uh, he definitely, I think, I appreciate that he puts effort, um, especially when we get onto Netherop, of trying to make it weirdly alien, even though a lot mm. of it doesn't apply because it's when we finally land on this planet. Um, so they, the plan basically goes terribly wrong and chief uh, and the Spartans of blue team and everyone gets shot down. Um, and so then you've got everyone on this planet, which is well nigh inhospitable. It's super hot. You could probably play a drinking game where they mention heat shimmering, um, and not being able to see anything and be dead by alcohol poisoning before the end. Um, but it's super hot. There's like these weird, um, like crystalline plants that shatter when you touch them. Um, and like other carnivorous ones. So there's lots of like weird stuff that they, they kind of bring up to, to embellish the planet. And I do think they do a good job oh, of, absolutely. of giving it an alien feel, uh, mm. When, yeah, I mean, a lot of the planets we go to, you can mentally sub in the Pacific Northwest and you're not far off. <laughs> it was around the time that we got to this sort of bit in the story that I was like, okay, I'm jiving with this a lot more than I was Silent Storm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, but we also, we also have the other side of things, uh, the Covenant perspective. Um, and in the last book, uh, we had Nizat, uh, I forget his last name because I never remember. They're super long, so I just call him Nizat the entire time. Kavrosi uh, or something like that. This is the downside of reading the books is that I don't know how to pronounce stuff. Kavrosi, um, I think. All right, let's go with that. But I'm not going to say it again anyhow. So Nizat. <laughs> I'll say it for you. <laughs> so Nizat is uh, in a bit of a pickle because he totally screwed up. And so we get a really cool... Uh, I think this was one of my favorite parts of the book uh, part where he basically goes back to high charity to answer for mm. getting a bunch of ships blown up and he's already got a plan for what they're going to do. He thinks that Oni is the, the big problem here that the war against the humans would be going great without Oni. So his plan is to tr plant uh, trackers on them that will lead them back to earth or wherever they are hiding out. And we get this whole great scene where at first uh, the prophets are kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, that's actually a pretty good idea. Um, like, why do you need this many trackers, though? Because didn't you already have one? He's like, oh, yeah, that was blown up. <laughs> uh, and he sort of loses. <laughs> he basically just loses uh, the the support of everyone. And they, they say, nope, uh, your plan to do this is not going to work out. And so I think this is the first time we get these the mention of these beacons. I don't recall ever yeah. hearing about them before. And I guess we get a reason for why we never hear about these beacons, because they're um, special foreigner um, items that they only have a certain number of. Three, it's, I not think. Convenient. <laughs> it's not convenient. It's not convenient. I mean, it's, it's a decent reason. Um, and one of the great things about it is they they throw in this little like that could be nothing or like 10 years in the future. We'll have a, a book about this, but one of the beacons was lost with a, an entire covenant fleet uh, mm. somewhere in the galactic core. Yeah. In the galactic core and they can't reach it, um, which was a cool little thing. And maybe that will not matter at all. 
Or maybe it will. You don't know. It could be like the, the shark koi. Just wait <laughs> the better part of 15 years until you find out. Well, maybe what the it's the next it book. No, that's true. That could also be it. Um, we don't know. Um, I used to complain something about Guilty Spark, but that one's run its course at this point, unfortunately. <laughs> well, you can't complain now. That complaint has been removed. I know. I'm complaining that I can't complain. <laughs> and we also get a nice thing, which I think we had heard about this before, that uh, they there's a room in High Charity where they basically take pieces of the planets they've glassed and, and decorate yes. it. I think we'd heard about that before, but this gives you a full, uh, a full little explanation of it, um, and it mm. sounds really cool. Um, and at this point, uh, Nizat goes rogue, kills some dudes, uh, and basically decides that he's going to run this this entire mission himself. He's going to plant the beacons, find Oni, um, and so this is where we learn that basically the from the get-go, we know, everyone knows that the crashed Covenant ship is totally a trap. Um, but we know everyone's motives going into it. And so that's the, the tension that the rest of the book leaves, is who's going to succeed? And the spoiler is kind of no one. So on the planet, I my notes for this entire middle section of the book is someone decided we needed a sequel to Primordium's walking scenes, and by God, yes. did we get it. So I guess yes. you were happy about that. It was that, my favorite part. <laughs> I, I love this part of the book. Yeah, as soon as the kids are introduced and we're sort of going around that, I was like, you know what? This is this is on par with some of my favorite of, uh, of Denning's stuff. Yeah, and it's, I will give them mm. points. It is definitely a weird turn I did not expect because we got the setup. You think you know sort of how it's going to go. It's kind of got a, um, I think the podcast of all people made a pitch black reference, which I think fits because <laughs> you land on Netherop and it's this terrible place. And the Spartans are more or less fine because they've got climate controlled suits, but everyone else is going to drop on a bad day. Yeah. Like flies from heat stroke. And I think most of the, the, the Marine deaths in this book come from like they just mentioned casually like oh yeah we lost another five guys at this point and stuff um and, and so on the covenant side as well yeah they that which is a nice a it's kind of like more true to life to to real world combat where you're more likely going to die from something else um than actual combat but it also makes the stakes like it's this 32 hour day or something like that and it's a race against time especially because the the first part of this, there's the Prowler that they're going to have to blow up since it's crashed. And it's either going to blow up when someone gets on it or when uh, <laughs> when uh, Petrov dies because she's keyed it to her. So it's they kind of have to figure out uh, what is the actual distance we can get away with this nuke without killing everyone. <laughs> um, and it's at this point that Fred sees spider walkers and children, human children, and a really long time where no one believes Fred and thinks he's got heat stroke, which kind of annoyed me in that <laughs> it, mm. it got me for a while. I was like, Oh, that's kind of goofy that they don't really trust Fred. And it stopped me. I'm like, wait, don't, doesn't everyone <laughs> have a camera on their suit? Yeah. Huh? Like if Jenkins had a camera, like why can't we just queue up the tape? Um, <laughs> But I guess no one was thinking really well in the heat. But it leads to, yeah, this this walkabout with the kids, the cast-offs. And uh, after some scenes where they they basically are setting a trap for the Spartans because, I mean, they can't tell a Spartan from an uh, alien to them, mm. uh, which is a nice callback to, to some of the earlier Halo media and how inhuman... Uh, the Spartans seem to regular people. Uh, we learn their story, uh, which is a sad one that they were, they're the descendants of pirates who were deliberately marooned on uh, Nether Rock. So they're, wait, 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 wait. They're inbred pirate babies then? I mean, <laughs> if you wanted to call them that, yes, they are inbred pirate thought, babies. Oh, and yeah. like, I get that, yeah, leaving a bunch of horny teenagers on a planet alone is going to produce predictable results. But like they mentioned at one point, uh, 
one of the the main castoffs we spend time with like they can't really tell how old they are because they're like so weirdly malnourished and she's had like six kids and only two survived to that was uh rosette yeah, yeah. and it's like dang it's, it's 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 horrific it's co- it's almost cosmic horror yeah it's it's one of those things where like this is a a kind of terrible situation we don't often get in halo um <laughs> and throughout the the book they they're playing with the the sense of like hey man we could get stranded here and that would terribly be terrible 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 um mm. and that ties into the end and the the castoffs have mostly survived because they found an ancient alien city that is not covenant and not foreigner and not ancient humans the galaxy else. is filled with all these MacGuffins just literally on your doorstep. Just open your eyes, guys. <laughs> um, Ancient alien cities for little kids? Yeah, why not? <laughs> which we don't actually go to. Um, but the, the ancient alien city is referenced. Instead, we mostly spend time with their weirdly steampunk like spider walkers. They, the, the description really did not give this impression, but the the mental image was for me was a scaled down version of the uh, giant spider machine from the the bad remake of Wild Wild West starring Will Smith. Um, <laughs> See, the, the real secret is they don't want to spoil a Halo Infinite vehicle reveal. <laughs> They're going to give you coal fired spire ass ah, spider walkers. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that yeah, was I the the extra that. bit yeah. where it's it's run by coal. Well, it's run off batteries from coal. And it's got microwave weapons. Like these are such weird alien coal batteries. I want to see a coal battery actually. Yeah, it was it was definitely not where I was expecting this book to go at all. And they went there. That was yeah. This was where I was really like, oh, yeah, I'm really into this because this is so different and so strange and so like unhalo in in such a divergence from what you traditionally think of a Halo story. Yeah. So I was very pleased with it. And so it sets up this thing where they've kind of team up with the cast-offs because they've got the spider walkers to make it. Even though uh, they have, like, blue team doing something like sprinting for three hours straight and, like, (laughs) pretty crazy stuff. And they're, like, checking their their weapons while they're sprinting and things like that, but they're not going to make it to the covenant ship, which is called, they call it the lucky break. They're not going to make it to it in time. And the Petrov and the rest of the Marines are going to die. So they, they make an alliance with the castoffs and it, it, this leads we to some, some really good scenes yeah. with, uh, with like Kelly and Linda, especially and um, individually with the castoffs. Yeah. Cause uh, about, I mean, roughly at this point, basically they start splitting everyone up and Fred and chief, go together and then kelly and linda have their own uh sequences basically uh with the castoffs um Mm. and i do i did appreciate because uh a we don't get uh i guess aside from uh forda to dawn which gets nicely uh name dropped early on in this book you mentioned that they had to go to corbula um but we don't really get to see chief with kids or any of them with kids, and it's so it's uh, like really you expect like Kelly or Linda is kind of interested in killing them at this first possible <laughs> chance. I was thinking like, yeah, that's probably what those drill instructors on Reach were were thinking about you, right? <laughs> yeah, back in the day, like, oh my god, and uh, uh, Chief actually shows that he has some basic uh, parenting instincts. Um, like, cause he's like, guys, let's like, actually like think about this or later on they're like, Hey, maybe don't take the, the kids through the, the like gore of the recent battle. Um, yeah. I and mean, that's what I always thought of the chief is that he parents a lot more than he is a leader. And uh, I, I like seeing that really come out in, in his character. Yeah. And they, they actually have her say, Hey, maybe you'd make a good dad. And chief's like, Bleh? <laughs> <laughs> um so wacky wacky uh spin-off sitcom option down the road chief has mm. to parent like two kids or whatever um three and a half spartans um <laughs> so yeah it's uh they end up basically promising there's a nice bit where they they promise to get them the cast offs to work with them they promise them 
a to the cast off state of the art uh, ship to the UNSC, something that's like super old and irrelevant. Um, and then that they'll get a ship and get to go to whatever planet they want. And she's like, sure. Um, and I think the nice thing about this whole thing is that, uh, and they don't uh, technically mention it, uh, but it ties in a little bit with the events of Halo collateral damage is that chief is willing to work with insurrectionists basically, or rebels. Um, mm. but he's also willing to be honorable with them. Um, and that through the rest of this book, he's actually trying to do his mission, but he's also trying to keep the cast alive and honor their deal. Uh, yeah. which is, it's a nice character. You know him when he makes a promise. <laughs> Reference oh god <laughs> uh-huh master chief is master chief let's get on with it <laughs> he's always going to be master chief yeah and so uh then we get to the part of the book after a lot of walking we get to the the battle part because uh nizat arrives in the system and he basically rockets down uh to the planet and then the covenant uh, the silent shadow, which I like. Um, Chief thinks that these these red armored elites are like a special Spartan kill team when actually they're their own thing. Mm. Um, but the silent shadow is sent to to go after Nizat, and so there's this this interesting thing with all right, everyone's down here and they're all moving around. What I found a bit perplexing though is that this section of the book changes perspectives a lot, and I was left not actually knowing what the hell was going on sometimes because they mention like groups of humans and I'm not sure which group of humans there are because there's three groups of humans. Um, it got a little confusing for me. It doesn't really pull out to see the larger picture, does it? It's very ingrained in yeah. the, the perspective of it's in the feet. And I, yeah, I think yeah. to a degree that's intended because uh, it, it's setting up this, this Looney Tunes kind of thing where, uh, like <laughs> they're they're gonna chase after they realize oh wait like there are Spartans here we can't have Spartans get aboard the ship because maybe they could actually take it over so the the lucky break that everyone knew was a trap launches off and they're like all right well we gotta plant these beacons somewhere else so there's this weird setup where the Covenant are alternatively attacking and retreating and the the humans are not sure why. And it goes into this thing where either side is like, I don't understand what these guys are doing. It makes no sense. Uh, and so basically, <laughs> it's the Scooby Doo corridor. Yeah, it was. It was kind of like that, and I appreciated that part mm-hmm. of it, even though I was left confused because at one point, uh, they they rescue Petrov and stuff because they uh, commandeer some Covenant Umbros, mm. which confused me for a while as so I was like, these sound like shadows from Halo Two, and I believe they're the same thing. Just they only refer to them as umbras in this. Yeah, I was getting like shadows, wraiths. I was pitching some weird kind of hybrid between them. Yeah, um, we also get uh, in terms of weird new stuff. We get the the super tuning fork. We get a super spirit dropship, um, <laughs> which just has a third prong, which I found random and delightful. Um, mostly just so it can drop. I, we have to see that. We have to see pitchforks fall from the sky. We have to see it. <laughs> just, uh, just mm. flying through, mostly so they can drop off the two umbras. But I like the perspective. And I think actually at some point uh, we get a mention of pour one out for the often forgotten specters from also from Halo 2. Oh, yes. Like Everyone yes. forgot about them. So it's it's nice we call that yeah requiem for forgotten Halo vehicles in times past. (laughs) I don't think they still they still exist for someone. Yeah, for someone they'll they'll probably never appear again, but there's the chance. Um, but yeah, so there's the the Petrov and the humans. Uh, and Petrov uh makes it pretty clear because they're uh they just don't have enough room for everyone. That like yeah. Chief, it's nice what you promised, but we're totally going to leave those kids behind um, at the first opportunity. And Chief's like, well, we shouldn't do that. And she's like, I don't care. Um, They're like, it's trying to spin it to the kids uh, in like this, hey, you guys really like your home, right? It's pretty dangerous out there. You don't want to go into space. It's really terrible. Space does have aliens. And the kids are having none of it. Yeah, it's, it's a nice little like 
oily adult kind of thing and how the kids deal with it is a lot of fun. Um, and that pays off. And so, Oh, it does. It absolutely does. <laughs> yeah. And so what ends up happening is that like Nizot, they, they end up clashing with the Spartans and they, they end up managing to like, it's kind of funny. They've got like the guy, they're like, all right, we're going to put these beacons in something that, humans will want this like some covenant tech and so they throw it into uh these these like big heavy shields that some of the rangers are on and like all right basically like go and suicide into them but try and not make it look too obvious what you're doing and like this is for like the greater good right it's like oh yeah totally you're gonna be like famous it's gonna be great it's all gonna be worth it just go on and do that and then things switch up and they're like all right well now we can't just like leave it for them to find it. We have to stick it into something of theirs. Um, and so they end up putting it into a keypad and like, kind of like running at them and then retreating once they've planted it and confusing the Spartans even more. Yeah. This was another really horrific part. It's just like, they're getting cut down. Like, yeah, you almost, I, I, time. I felt uh, pretty bad for Nizat cause he gets hosed at pretty much every opportunity i felt more bad for his men than, than him well, himself because yeah. it was his it was all, his horrible plan <laughs> and, and they're all dying for this for this awful cause he's got a really good um he's got a really good i think uh just uh relationship with his subordinate in this um tam lakosi is his his subordinate and they get a really good relationship where like nizat's not a total I would say he's he's excessively optimistic, but he's not a total idiot. Um, yeah. He's got his plan, and Lakosi kind of pushes back on sometimes, but they or he'll let they'll let each other like figure out their mind space, and it's much more collaborative than we usually see elites being um, in that situation. Or how dare you question me? Yeah, that kind of thing, and and they they do a good job of explaining like the politics of it too, um, and mm. how it works, uh, but. Not that it does them a good bit here, because they end up having technically succeeded. Uh, they're cut off from uh, their fleet in orbit, and the uh, the the kill teams arrive. And every time, I, I appreciate Nizat's like the eternal optimist, because every time something goes even worse, he's like, "Well, no, this is the perfect opportunity." Um, because <laughs> then, he's saying like, "Ah, oh, the Spartans are our salvation." Yeah, the Spartans are our salvation because they'll kill the Covenant that are trying to kill us. <laughs> and then even that doesn't really work because, uh, like, the last of of Nizat's men are surrounded and they're they're going to get pinned down and stuff. But the the time for extraction has come. And Chief's like, all right, well, I have no time to deal with whatever this is, so I've just got to leave. And they they bug out, taking the the compad and the 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 corpse of the elite uh, with the shield, with the with mega the, shield, yeah, the over shield. Which I wondered what that actually looked like. Um, I don't think part of me was like imagining the the actual power up. The, the cube in Halo One and Halo Two. Yeah, I always I always wondered what the deal with those cubes were. Like, mm. are they actually like? Because you just like shatter them and somehow you get shields. Like, it was not clear exactly how those things work. Like, like, were they actually? Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're a very like Super Mario kind of thing for like equipment. Um, but I miss them. I do miss them. Um. Better than those stupid colored balls in Halo 3. But I digress. <laughs> and basically, that's the main book just kind of ends there <laughs> with more more failures and retreats uh, all around. Um, and they uh, they basically exfil out. Uh, there's, there's a whole hearing um, when they get back. Uh, because the- Petrov was uh, left behind. Yeah, so they're aboard Cole's ship, the Everest, and there's this whole hearing because Petrov has been left behind and basically the chief covers for them and says, like, uh, I guess it to- makes total sense that she told these kids that she was going to stay behind <laughs> and, and make a forward base. Like, that That makes sense to me. And they, they agree to... Um, honestly, I found it 
kind of unlikely, but I guess the 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 only flip side I can see to justify this is that uh, Cole is kind of getting tired of his whole job anyhow, and he probably sort of defects <laughs> to the insurrection kind of at some point uh, anyhow. Uh, so maybe that was just his like thing. So he lets Roselle and the other castoffs uh, get their ship and go where they want, which is Gao. Uh, so, which is a nice, nice callback to uh, Denning's Last Light and Retribution. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, which is an interesting hotbed, but they basically they square that they won't reveal anything about the Spartans. Um, which is another time where I'm like, no, like they would have just killed those kids. <laughs> I mean, this is the UNSC; <laughs> they're not like a great military. <laughs> organization but i guess this time they get out because killed off another enough kids already in this book but they they get their sharp fin they go to gal um basically they they say they let him go because uh master chief says that we can trust them um and uh it's interesting they never definitively answer whether uh, Petrol voluntarily stayed behind, or whether there was something more underhanded going on there. Yeah, and so the the final scene is that Nizat and his remaining—I don't even know how many—he's got his Lakosi or whatever, and I, he's got like two other guys basically left out of all the people. Um, and they were they were a fate worse than death, I guess. Uh, marooned for all eternity at the center of a dead planet, buried alive. Um, on <laughs> Nether Rop. They will have. They'll soon have inbred elite pirate babies. So <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So they they the Covenant d- decided just to mine the crap out of the planet so that he can't get off instead of just killing him outright. Um, which is I guess a little atypical, uh, for the Covenant, but they're all for torturous deaths, so I guess it makes sense. Um. And they find uh, Petrov on the planet and are really debating whether or not they want to eat her or not. Just a normal day, you know? Yeah, you know, you just gotta, you gotta eat the humans you got. Um, if you're hungry, come on, yeah. if you're hungry. You uh, but yeah, she's got a gun. Yeah, she's got a gun. And, and this was the other part I was unclear. They are not sure if, because she's like roasting these plant pads and they're like, mm. well she's roasting way more than she can eat or carry. So like she must have someone else. And it was totally unclear to me whether, because they didn't say anything during the hearing, whether or not Petrov actually was left alone or she actually did have. Because there were multiple spaces left on the Pelican, weren't there? When they, when they leave. I don't think there's room, but I feel like, see, that's the, it was just like not, clear to me at all what i was supposed to because the if she was alone then the only reason she would be roasting all that stuff is like because she knew there were elites there and she was like trying to maybe barter her survival (laughs) i was not entirely certain how what i was supposed to think about with that final section um but nizat ever the optimist is like no like this is the god's gift and we'll just wait and see and everything will work out somehow (laughs) (laughs) uh which so it shows that though characters have grown and changed in this book nizat definitely hasn't um he is delightfully static and i do enjoy that but i don't normally enjoy static characters but he he is yeah because he's so different i do like it and then uh the book ends and that's where i i really feel like there 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 should be a trilogy here because if there's not there's a whole bunch of loose ends in this book left, which kind of felt like some of them should have been filled. I felt like it was a less abrupt ending than Silent Storms. I thought Silent Storm, like at the at the very end, like really skipped past a lot just to just end come to a close. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe this one felt more abrupt to me because once, like, I totally forgot about the whole section on Mesera. Like, once he gets to the section on Netherop, it just goes and goes and goes. And it's, like, in the span of basically a day, 
it's a really yeah. breakneck pace. That was something that shocked me. Yeah, I was just like, oh, oh, that was a really quick, like in terms of the time scale, the timeline of this story. It doesn't happen over a very long time. Yeah, so I think that made it feel feel more abrupt to me because we've been going at this crazy pace for the entire book, and then it's just like, all right, we're done. <laughs> Hit page limit. I'm going home. <laughs> uh, so in that respect, I think. I definitely of these two, and actually, uh, I had similar thoughts with uh, Battleborn and Meridian Divide, which we'll talk about in another episode. I felt like the first book in these series, uh, both of those series, was stronger than the second. But since you love walking around and licking frogs, I'm assuming you liked Oblivion <laughs> more. Uh, yes, this was much closer to my particular sensibilities with uh, with Halo. <laughs> It's got weird stuff. It's got weird stuff. It's got walking. I love it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's fair. That's uh. I'm I'm just thankful it didn't have it didn't have lock licking lock yeah rock licking. Oh, sorry. All right, or squirty poo. So <laughs> it, it had that licking part. rocks. I'm sorry. I'm not frogs. I'm thinking of like The Simpsons. There, you're right. I did appreciate how it split up Blue Team, because I think Blue Team is at their least interesting when they're together. But when they're with different characters who they can bounce off more, as we see in Denning's other books, they're way more interesting to read. Hmm. Uh, I mean, that's one of those things that's hard for me, because I guess because I've never found Blue Team the most interesting part of the Halo universe, I cannot. Like, I know Linda's the sniper and Kelly's the fast one. And Fred's Fred, but in terms of their actual personalities, <laughs> like when people like That's talk harsh. about like oh like I saw some people like I don't know if Kelly felt like she was really l- written like Linda or vice versa, and I was like I cannot really tell the difference, and maybe it's just because especially Kelly and Linda are usually the least served on these books, and this is yeah. it's probably their their biggest outing. Well, Linda got her I mean, comic. We've only book, got but, a Linda comic this year. Yeah. So and they're, that's the, the first solo media we've had with her. Yeah, meanwhile, mm-hmm. Fred's been tearing it up, uh, mm. running around. I, I do like the... But that's a nice... Actually, Denning does a nice contrast here that Fred is, in some ways, way more laid back uh, in these books than he is in Last Light and uh, and Red, Retribution. Mm. So he does. A, I think he does a good job... Um, with Chief and with Fred, especially with making selling it that these are like 16, 17 year olds. These are teenagers who are like obviously yeah. super soldiers and smart and wise and stuff, but they're, they're still teens. They've only been in battle for a few years um, and making a good transition. You can see how those characters transition into the, the more modern versions. Definitely. I mean, Linda has uh, some great stuff where she's talking about, uh, she's got some deep insights into life, where she's talking to one of the cast offs. And I was like, oh, this is really yeah, good. She was, she was going pretty zen, which again was something I like. Yeah. Has she ever done this before? Been like, okay. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the major things about her character that was only really mentioned in Nyland's books, where she has the, the zen meditation and stuff that she okay. does. So See? that actually lined up really quite nicely. All right. There you go. I had totally forgotten. But I mean, I'm, I'm just not great at, at distinguishing. Like it took until uh, the Thursday War before I could tell anyone in Kilo 5 apart. Um, I'm, this, that's not my strong suit when it comes to this stuff um, alright Danny Silent Storm, Oblivion, pick like which one's better? yeah which to you he's gonna say neither <laughs> neither I don't think they should exist <laughs> that does bias my opinion a wee bit but um, mm, I, I don't think they're 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 that satisfying enough for me to recommend either of them. You know, I mean, they're good books. Um, they're as strong as each other. To be honest, I I, I didn't think like the Oblivion made great strides. Uh, it was just more of the same, more of the same quality, more of the same expectations being met. Tech boxes felt being ticked. So if you liked Silent Storm, dive the hell right in. Like, why would you stop? I mean, the plus side I think is I would be more bothered by this kind of novel if it weren't for the fact that we were getting a whole bunch of different stuff um 
Like it's it's not yeah, it's not two thousand six anymore. Like we've got yeah, yeah we've yeah. got a young adult series. We've got all these other mm. books. Um, like we're actually exploring like stuff in the civilian universe. Wow, there are civilians in Halo. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I I appreciate while the Nylundian uh military sci fi is not <laughs> is not my cup of tea. It clearly is for some people, and they get a book they yeah. they can enjoy and and. We'll probably be getting back to weird, weird walking and uh, rock licking and stuff before you know it. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> All right. Uh, any last words to say? Uh, a scene just suddenly came to my to mind again, which I really enjoyed, um, and it's some of the more comical dialogue where uh, the chief says to Fred, "Like, uh, oh, uh, Fred, can you like give them a shout, distract them?" And then Fred yells at them, like, nice mountain runners you have there. It'd be a shame if something happened to them. <laughs> I mean, there is, there is a the whole little section there where all the other the other Spartans are, like, vaguely, like, yeah, like, we could totally kill you right now. Wouldn't that be bad? <laughs> <laughs> Which was... Actually, I was, looking, I was looking online on the Waypoint forums, seeing what people were saying about the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one thing that was brought up which I thought was kind of funny, uh, was a reminder. It wasn't a new piece of information. It was just a reminder uh, from just a throwaway sentence in the book, and it was about the elites uh, and their hatchery and their the fact that they have eggs. Oh, yeah. And I, I'd mm. completely forgotten about that myself, and now I, I just can't <laughs> stop thinking about that. Where does I that egg go? I don't want to mentally image. <laughs> oh, God. I don't. I don't want to mentally picture an elite laying an egg. That, They'll just start roasting them, them over badass. the fire with Petrov. <laughs> and are we going to like stumble upon an elite, an elite hatchery one day? Just like a little preschool yeah. and stuff. Like, oh, that's no. actually the opening mission of Halo Infinite. Yeah, you just bust into a into a keep and just run to the hatchery. Yeah, yeah. Egg yeah, stomping. Yeah, that sounds like a good way of establishing your dominance on the battlefield. <laughs> Lay an egg. Um, actually, uh, another <laughs> another little fun uh, scene. We're talking about little drips and drabs. Uh, I appreciated that uh, Kelly gets called immediately on her being Chief's favorite. Yes. She's like, "What? No, that's not true." <laughs> I mean, wait, what? It's like it's obvious, duh. Like the the ship material, I think, was uh, was particularly strong in, in this book. Yeah, it was, but it was it was fun to see. Um, and I, I, the one thing I really like, the castoffs I found incredibly annoying to a certain degree. But I mean, they're like teenagers, so yeah, like that's how I realized I was getting old when I was like just looking at all these protagonists in the books I used to love reading. I'm like, oh my god, stop whining, you idiot. Um, <laughs> and now I'm like, well, actually, the adults make a very good point. Uh, but it they. It's fun just because they are anytime when there's not a military uh a purely military obstacle uh for the Spartans, I think it's fun because yeah. obviously we know they can blow the heck out of a bunch of elites. Uh but dealing with dealing with random pirate uh inbred kids is tough. <laughs> and that's a lesson we can all learn. And how many other Halo books can you say that has been <laughs> something you've got to contend with? <laughs> All right. Well, anything else? I loved it. You know, it's um, it's still not entirely there with like my favorites, but uh, I very much preferred it to Silent Storm. Um, and I would, it's definitely a book that I would read again. If you're if you're a new Halo fan, it's a series. The two books are good entry points, mm-hmm. just for a good Halo story. Because sometimes you just want to have a good Halo story, and both those books. Including Oblivion, do deliver that. Yeah, so. and I, I'm hopeful that we do get a third book. It wraps up some of this stuff and uh, get a it's, get a nice end. Ferret's book as well. Oh yeah, that's definitely. I mean, at this point, uh, I feel like Denning is the most prolific, quote unquote, new era of Halo author. Um, and I think people seem to like him, so I think he's gonna keep sticking around and doing stuff. Yeah. I, I hope so. He's on his way to have written the most books. Mm-hmm. I hope he has more luck with Halo than he had with uh, Star Wars. He came in towards the tail end of the high point of the EU post New Jedi Order stuff, 
and um when they a brick wall whenever the whole Disney stuff went mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> poor guy yeah that's something yeah, that is some great books I've never some actually really awesome books, so. read any I haven't read like Travis or Denning or anyone else's like other EU novels I should do that at some point well I sh- that's right I lie I read I actually got turned on to Peter David from his Star Trek stuffs, which is why I was super disappointed by his book, but... I could probably nudge <laughs> in the direction of some of the better Star Wars novels rather than the worst. I've read most of them, so... Okay. Well, I'll have to take you up on that sometime. Alright, well, thank you, Harspis, for joining us. Um, Pleasure, as always. Much appreciate it. What have you been doing? What do you want to plug? Um, next week, or this week, rather, I've got an article coming out. Uh, it's a Halo 4 one, of course. What a shocker! Uh, for its birthday. Uh, I know, right? And then in December, I believe, I'll be uh, shooting out a... Uh, it's currently about 7,000 words long. A full history of the Prometheans from Halo Chronicles to present. Oh, so the development oh. of them, you mean? Uh, yes. Ooh. Okay, that sounds cool. And we'll put... Yeah. links to Haraspis' blog in our show notes uh, you can find that at forwarduntodawn.com slash fudcast wait I have to check how many episodes have we actually done uh, this is 32 too or many. oh too many are you kidding we've done like <laughs> not enough you, yeah you want to see alright there's the the new Halo podcast on the block is finish the fight uh, and they started in April and they are up to 16 episodes so we're going to get left again pretty quickly. <laughs> um, but anyway. Quality, not Yeah, quantity. so uh, at FUDcast, com slash FUDcast32. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review if you want. It helps. Uh, also on Google Play and Stitcher because Isaac wanted us there. So we are. What? What is that? What's that? It's another podcast thing. Like, I don't know. We should be on Luminary or something next. But uh, you can also check us out on YouTube where we post these uh, episodes as well as original content. Uh, YouTube.com forward unto Dawn because I was able to steal that name. Uh, but I, I, I know what YouTube is. <laughs> I'm glad you do, Danny. Uh, welcome to 2006. Uh, and uh, our Twitter is forward Dawn because I cannot take that username. And, uh, of course, check out our articles. Like I mentioned earlier, our newest one is uh, Fall of Reach Retrospective for its 18th birthday. Uh, You can see that at forwardontodawn.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.